So this is Great Uncle Steve still tied to his chair. And this is Grandpa. And we want to tell you a story that we experienced some years ago when we happened to be visiting cousins down in eastern Kentucky. In Whitley County, Kentucky, where our father was from, where he was born in a log cabin in 1908. And we went down and our cousins invited us to go up in the mountains on their four-wheelers. And they loaded up big um, coolers full of beer and a little what they called spring water, put them on the back, and we got protective uh, eye coverings because they drove fast through the brush and and um, we took off. When, when you go out four-wheeling, you have to understand there were maybe, well, I'm not really sure. There were at least 10 four-wheelers and there was some wild guy who had a pickup truck that was all decked out with great big tires. And he met us up on top of the mountain. We don't know how he got there, but he was. Well, we rode and fortunately, Uncle Steve and I were passengers. And Uncle George Monholland was the storyteller in our family. And he knew more stories, whether half of them were actually the full truth or not, nobody ever knew. But they always were interesting. For example, about every 15 minutes, we would stop. The whole group of us would stop. And everybody would get out of the four-wheelers mostly to stretch your back and rub your rear end because it was really, really bumpy on the trail. And they do this every week. It was, uh, it was actually, it was both fun and sad because uh, the week, the work week, um, they lived in this part of the country because they loved the beautiful mountains, the gorgeous uh, dogwoods, redbud, beautiful foliage. But they also, in order to, stay there, the jobs that they had involved uh, mountaintop removal, which meant destroying the very place they love. So they would go on these weekend trips and they would stop every 15 minutes or so and tell stories about what the, the place used to look like, the things they did, what they did as kids. And so it was it was uh, really bittersweet. It was fun to be with them, but it was sad to see um, how they were um, removing the very mountains that they loved so much. One, one of the places we stopped with our crew of four-wheelers was up on the edge of a mountain. And there was a cave, a big cave. And all across the front of it, people had painted different names and graffiti kind of stuff. Well, there, scrawled across the front of the opening of the cave, was Monholland. And so, needless to say, we asked, well, what's our name doing there? And George told us a story. He said that way, way back when the Monhollands first came into the mountains and they had come from somewhere across the ocean, we're not really sure, we think from Ireland, but that's subject to conjecture. We could have come from pretty much anywhere over in Europe. But we pretended anyway, and I still believe I'm Irish. But anyway, <laughs> the brothers came over the mountain with their families and with a few cattle and with a horse. And they came late in the fall, so they didn't have time to cut down trees and build a log cabin. So they decided, well, we'll stay in the cave all winter. So with their families, they moved into the cave. And I guess 
they just had fires going in there and cooked their food. Mostly they hunted for their food. And uh, so they made it through the first winter. And then one of the brothers from the cave, you could look down over the huge hills and the valleys. So one brother said he'd go to one valley and set up his family and build his cabin and they'd raise the crops way over there. And the other one said that they would go over the other way. Well, they went down in the valleys and they got busy building. But the one brother, they were, for some reason, I guess they were trying to put crops in and whatever. They didn't get their cabin done. So they moved back into the cave. So they spent a second winter in the cave. So the long and the short of it, they finally got moved into their cabins and they commenced to live in the mountains. But it gave us bragging rights that we truly were cavemen. Cavemen. Yes. This would have been about 1856. But if you want to augment it and say it was like uh, 500,000 years ago, that would be all right also. Yep. We are cavemen. So we, w we went on, and um, then our cousin George told us a story about two uh, uh, a feud that uh, exploded, a family rivalry um, that exploded in and uh, over the price of cattle, and w one family shot at the other family, and they shot back, and after the smoke cleared, most of them were dead, and and a little bit, not much is known about it. There's a famous family feud called uh, Hatfield and McCoys. It's got a lot of press, but the uh, Monholland Massacre, I just made that up. Yep, that's good. Uh, it was, you know, they're, they're probably not many people know about it because I don't know if anybody lived to tell. <laughs> nope, there are, two, there are two cemeteries on the top of the mountain, one all the way on one end and the one that we came to. And there was a Dr. Walker and it was the only headstone that actually had somebody's name on it. And it said, Dr. Walker and the dates. The other grave headstones were just rocks from the top up on the mountain. I guess they buried the person and stuck a rock there to show that, you know, somebody was underneath it. But the doctor, uh, apparently being a doctor, he had to have a real headstone. So also in our background is... Uh, the knowledge that we have folks who might have been a little trigger happy and, uh, and you know, they proved the story that if, if you lose, if, if you can't control yourself, you, you might end up under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. We ended up uh, on a, a plateau. It was really the shaved off remains of a mountain and it was just pounded down shards of rock and with some weeds growing up, and Cousin George looked around and said, well, they told us there's going to be a mall up here, but I don't see any roads. I don't see any water or electricity, but that's what they told us when they said they were going to destroy this place. So it's a beautiful and sad place, and and uh, was worth the trip. Yep. I remember that, that we were up on that hill that day, I think it was that day, and it had rained, and there were huge pool of water up there, and it was muddy, my gosh, it was muddy, and this fellow with a pickup truck with the huge tires, and his truck was way, sat way up high, you had to have, he had a drop-down ladder from the front door that you had to climb up the ladder to open the door to get in his big truck, well, 
we had our, our four-wheelers all parked over in a certain area, and he came roaring around the corner right into the huge mud puddle and started spinning his truck round and round and round. Well, when he did that, he sprayed muddy water, big chunks of mud. We all were diving behind trees, ducking behind four-wheelers. Everything and everybody got sprayed with mud and mud water. So then it was time to have a drink, of course. And we all gathered around for another one of George's stories, which never seemed to end because he had so many of them. Uh, one of them he told, well, I just drew a blank. Maybe you can pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I skipped my I reading at school. <laughs> Well, that's the trouble. It didn't in my mind. I just went blank. Well, okay. We just, uh, George told oh, plenty of stories. Well, here's one. So George told about our dad. He knew a lot oh, yes. of stories about our dad. Yes. And how uh, this uh, one time our dad told uh, our mom that he was going out to, she sent him out to get some food for dinner. And instead he went uh, with George and his other cousin, Cecil, and they just had a fun day doing, just goofing around here and there. Went fishing. Didn't Whatever they? they did. Yeah, they, they must not have caught anything because on the way back, Dad remembered he was supposed to bring food home. Yep. And George said, oh, okay, come with me. And so, uh, so they came to this little pond that had some catfish in it. And um, well, it was just a puddle-like pond. And so... Uh, so George, I think George said, wade into the pond and grab one of those um, catfish and drag it out. And um, you can tell your wife that you went fishing and, uh, and uh, then we'll have that for supper. And so that's how he ended up covering his uh, day of goofing off by pretending to have caught a fish. You have a better memory than me. I didn't remember they went to the grocery store and bought the fish. Oh, that was another one. That, that, was, was, a, that was a different time. The yeah. fish was frozen. And mom sort of questioned, how could you catch a fish <laughs> that was frozen? <laughs> you know, details, details. Yeah, well, I remember, I think it was that trip when the, we'd been out bouncing all over the mountains and, and Steve and I, because we didn't drink alcohol. So we took water with us. So every time we'd stop, we'd, have, we'd be drinking our water. Well, the others weren't drinking water. They were drinking beer and liquor. So, you know, the driving down the mountainside got a little weavy. So by the time the day was ending, we got back to the barn. Uncle George, I mean, Cousin George, had a huge, great, big black barn. And I always, I always thought it was cool. You opened the door, and on one side of the barn, he had his tractor, and he had all these cool farming tools hanging up on the wall, sitting in corners. And it was it was just sort of dark and, and cobwebby and cool. The other side of it, though, had a bunch of chairs lined up in it. And there was a big refrigerator back at the back of it. And the story goes that some of his buddies every week would come because they were retired, too. They would come and they'd sit in the barn and tell stories and they would pass the white or the, the bottle around. Well, the bottle had water in it. At least that's what it looked like, but it wasn't. It was moonshine. Moonshine is homemade liquor. 
and it is strong enough to use as paint thinner, wallpaper remover, and it also probably would take your beard off if you poured enough on it. So when we got back from writing, all of us stood in a circle out in front of the barn. George went in and got a bottle, and they passed the bottle around. Well, Uncle Steve and I hadn't had any of this stuff. And when it came our turn, we weren't sure if we wanted to try it or not. But we were with cousins, and, you know, what's a sip going to do to you? So I, re I don't remember if Uncle Steve took a sip first or I did. You did. Yeah, I did. And I took a sip, but instead of just taking a little one to taste, I took a, almost a gulp. Well, it went down the right way, fortunately, or I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and But as it was going down, I truly thought that I had a propane burner going down my throat. It burned so hot, but it also really tasted good. But I knew that if I survived that drink and didn't drop dead, I was never touching that stuff again. <laughs> well, that, that evening, <coughs> your Uncle Steve and I actually survived. And I went back again. And this time, uh, Cousin George, he, he'd been sick. He'd been really sick. And his wife, Eleanor, wouldn't let him go anywhere. She didn't want him going out running around in the mountains because she was afraid he was going to get sick and die up there. Well, she fixed a wonderful lunch for us, and we sat and visited. And while she was cleaning up the dishes, George says, let's go for a walk, Dave. So we went out and got in his truck, and we drove up to the barn, which <laughs> Eleanor could see from their house. And she said, now, don't you boys be going anywhere. And, and, of course, George says, no, no, we're just going to the barn. So we went up to the barn. Well, we got to the barn, and, and George showed me some new tool he got. We were chit-chatting, and he looked at his watch, and he said, okay, we can go now. And I said, where are we going? And he said, oh, we just, we're going for a little ride. So we went out, and we got in his four-wheeler, and he said, but I need you to drive. He said. I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble driving. He said, I'm a little weak today. And he said, besides, he said, if I drive, Eleanor will get all over me. But if you drive, then I'm, I'll get in trouble. So I, we drove. Well, you have to understand, I hadn't had much experience driving a four-wheeler, especially on rough, bumpy, very steep mountain trails. So it was sort of a learn-as-you-go situation. So I pushed it to the floor, and we went flying up the hill. I held on to the steering wheel. George held on to the bar in the front and to the side of his seat. So we got to the top of the hill, and we rode and drove and stopped, and George talked. Finally, about 2 in the afternoon, we'd been gone. See, we'd been gone since about 9 in the morning. And Eleanor had no clue where we were, just that we were gone, supposedly up at the barn. So George looked at his watch, and it was about 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, and he said, oh, my goodness, we got to get back. He said, take off down that hill. Well, the hill didn't look like you could get down it unless you had wings, but there was a trail. So I thought, well, somebody's gone down, and I guess we will too, but I wasn't sure we weren't going to go end over end. So we did. We went down the hill, and uh, 
I still don't know how, but we flew mostly, and the brakes didn't work too well on his four-wheeler. But we got to the bottom and hit a gravel road, and I was flying. I had the thing floored as we went down the road, and we drove about a mile, and we started going past a couple little houses out there on the road. And George said, pull over at that one right now. So I whipped over in this gravel driveway and did a sliding sideways stop. And there was a, uh, a little shack in the backyard, and it had a smokestack coming out of it and a barn door on the front of it. But it wasn't very big. Well, the door partially opened and two heads peeked out and it was two men. And they said, George, is that you? And George says, yep, it's me. He said, nothing to be alarmed about. This is your cousin, Dave Monholland. And they said, oh, you're sure it's okay. And he says, oh yeah, no problem. So we walked down, they opened the door and lo and behold, there in front of me for the first time in my life was a liquor still. Now a liquor still is how they make moonshine, except this one was extra special because it was portable and it was made out of a big stainless steel tub and it had this corkscrewy looking pipe made out of stainless steel and they had three, um, what do you call them, three, three of those boxes that hold quart bottles. And in each one of those little sections, there was a mason jar. And they had just finished releasing all of the liquor that they had made into all these bottles. And they were starting to take the still apart so they could hide it. So we sat down on a couple of five-gallon buckets and watched while they did their work. They unscrewed everything. And you have to understand, this shed had old beat-up, rotted out lawnmowers, old tools, uh, firewood, but it was old rotted out firewood and piles of old lumber. Well, back in the corner was a big pile of old lumber. So they picked up the lumber and, and wrapped up their still in a, in a piece of canvas and shoved it underneath the wood pile and then piled up all the wood on top of it. You couldn't see anything. Then they offered me a drink. And I said, well, I don't think so. Thank you. And then they explained to me that they, they you couldn't drink it anyway. They had to mix it. Otherwise, the first batch would literally melt your tongue off. You wouldn't have a tongue if you tried drinking it. And the second batch would make you go blind. And the third one was too weak. It didn't have much flavor. So they had to mix them up. And I wasn't going to stay around to see what it tasted like once they were mixed. Because anything strong enough to eat your tongue, make you go blind, uh, just couldn't be good for your long-term health, in my opinion. So we left, cousin George and I, and we went back to his barn. And just as George's cell phone rang, and it was Eleanor wanting to know where we were. And George says, well, honey, we're up here at the barn. And she said, are you sure you're at the barn? And George says, yep, we'll be there in about three minutes. So we hopped on the four-wheeler and we drove down to the house. And George didn't get in trouble. But we were covered with dust and dirt. And you couldn't see it, but we both were pretty much black and blue from the bruises from having me drive the back roads.
The end.